Well, it was so long ago now that Greg asked when we first were going to do the series Ready, Set, Go. Um, he had asked for, he said, I want to do uh, this series that I believe the Lord's laid on my heart, and I'd like for you to do the, the set. And um, if he hadn't asked me so long ago, I, I would have been convinced that the only reason he asked me to preach is because of the football game today, <laughs> or because he's leaving for Africa in a couple of days. Um, and uh, that's not the reason, though. So he had, he had asked me some time ago about this, and I hope he got a chance to hear. I was, of course, out of town last weekend, had a precious time with my family, which I shared with the ladies, but... Um, the message last week, if you've not heard it, please get online and listen to it about um, the second part of the ready. Uh, so good, uh, just dealing with fear and um, just there were so many points in there that were, were really wonderful that um, I may end up making reference to. So set, set is uh, in, the, in the concept of ready, set, go, there's several different analogies and um, I just asked the Lord, what, what is it that you want for the, the concept of set as it pertains to this particular series? And really it pertains to where Ignition Church is, but it, it has to do with every single one of us. When we have a calling, which we know we have the hope of our calling in Ephesians, there's always going to be that place where we get ready, then we, we set, which is the, um, the time of where you're determined to stay, you're determined to, to stay fixed on what your purpose is. And um, everything the Lord laid on my heart, uh, I prayed very much that it would speak to you, but boy, it really convicted me. This is one of the biggest challenges in, um, in the concept of God readying us for something he wants to do in our lives. The place of set is the most difficult place. And we will always find ourselves there. It's, it's kind of an extension of readying because you're still in a place where you're getting ready. But it is that place where you're determined to stay fixed on the Lord. And um, we know that when we accept Christ as our Savior, He's given every one of us a calling. Uh, we have a hope of our calling. He has a, a promised land, if you will, because you know the children of Israel is a representation of our Christian life. He's called us out of darkness, out of hell, as they were called out of Egypt, to go into the promised land. And then there's that time in between that is really where we need to stay fixed on Him. And so um, this is tough. This is the tough place. Um, you... You have to recognize the path that he has you on and then stay there. And Colossians 3.2 says, Set your affections on things above and not on the things of the earth. And in reference to this place of set, I, I just was thinking, wow, this is where in our Christian walk we, we set ourselves in a place where we're seeking God. Of course, you've heard now thousands of times since Ignition Church has started, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You seek him, you seek him. And in this place of the ready, set, go concept, I feel like set is that place where you are, you are going to just stay fixed. You are going to stay in a, in a place of purpose no matter what. However, the length of time that that set, where that place has you, it is really determined by the Lord. And that's where it gets tough. Um, if any of you struggle with patience, as I do, um, it, I wonder if they're going to come out with another way to cook food that's faster than microwave. If you're sitting in front of a microwave that's just not fast enough, I mean, like, seriously, if, if I have to wait 30 more seconds, I just start to shake. That's really, really sad. I can't believe I just admitted that to you. But um, patience is just not, it's a virtue that is, I just don't have. And I'm asking God for more of that. And, um, you know, God is not, he's really not interested in the speed with which we get to places. He's more interested in our strength and in our stability more than he's interested in the swiftness of where we arrive. And it's because he knows what we need to for the go. He knows what we need for the go. And so there's a few different examples I'll give you, but um, Psalm 85, verse 13 is, um, is a wonderful um, verse just about uh, just staying purposeful. Um, it says, in the King James, it says, Righteousness shall go before him and shall 
set us in the way of his steps. In this place of set, it's really oftentimes a place of testing because it's a place of waiting and knowing that the unexpected is right around the corner. Now, the Holy Spirit has revealed to us that we are this year in 2016 to expect the unexpected. Now, that can certainly be with any new year before, before you. Any, anything in the future is something we don't know. It, it's, it's something is the unexpected because we don't know it. And this is why, by the way, so many people seek out fortune tellers. They seek out... Uh, you know, the palm readers, uh, we, of course, we prayed uh, Tuesday night about this medium that's coming to University of Delaware, that, um, you know, people are so hungry to know the future, to have some grasp at control, because it's very scary to, to have the, not know the unknown. There's this desperate attempt to kind of get a grasp of your life, and boy, when you don't have Christ in your life, when you don't have a sure foundation, then that place of, of unexpectedness and not knowing is a very terrifying place for so many people. But you know, for the Christian in Isaiah 28, verse 16, this is one of the verses I'd like for you to turn to, unless it, she gets it on the screen, I don't know, but Isaiah 28, 16 is so fantastic. It says, 28, 16, therefore, and I'll read, I'm going to do some in New Living, but most King James this morning. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Now, in the New Living, that last phrase is, Whoever believes in that needs never run away. So when you have a sure foundation, you don't have to be in a place of anxiety and anxiety shows up in more ways. It manifests in our life in more ways than, than we would think. There are people that you would recognize as, oh, they just struggle with anxiety. But there are other places where that, that lack of a sure foundation shows up in this grasp at control. Do you know that it contributes to a lot of OCD tendencies? People that need to have a desperate need to control that need to, uh, like for instance, the OCD, um, uh, one of the habits of the, of the incessant hand washing. It's just this, I'm not sure if it's clean, so I'm going to do it several times, several times, you know, or, or putting things in a certain place. Yes, there are chemical issues and stuff like that sometimes in the brain, but a lot of times those things start with fears, and, and any one of us can have those tendencies. I just, oh my goodness, um, I just got over one that... I don't know what, it just was the peace of God just beginning to help me grow, and I didn't even notice that it broke until it broke. But I used to take, every time I'd wash uh, towels, I would never, ever take the towels from the dryer and just fold them and put them in the, in the cupboard. I know that's probably normal, or closet, uh, that may be normal. That is not normal for me. It never went from the dryer. I had to take every towel outside and shake off the excess little fuzz or dust because I just felt like if all that dust got folded up, then it somehow would just be dust sticking to us when we got out of the shower. And I just couldn't bear to think that all that was being stuck, so I shook every towel. Well, you know, sometimes weather doesn't permit that you do that. I'm telling you. I would stand out there in the snow, in my slippers, shaking my towels. It was just such a ridiculous habit. And then sometimes, when it, I remember during certain snowstorms, I just had laundry baskets of just towels. There might have been just a few in the cupboard because they were not going in that closet until I shook them out. So sorry, honey. Another issue you probably I tried to keep from you. So I have had such freedom since God delivered me from that to actually take the towels out of the dryer and fold them. Huge. Huge. Who knew it was that simple? You know, it's interesting. Now, you know, you can call that a chemical thing all day long, but I'm telling you what, that was my grasp at control to eliminate... Something that started to bother me. If you start to think too much about something that, you know, whether it be dirt on you or, you know, you start to obsess. Man, as I've asked God for the mind of Christ, boy, ask God for the mind of Christ. Because you know what? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. There is peace. There is calm. There is the ability to fold your towels out of the dryer <laughs> and put them right in the closet. Praise the Lord. I mean, really, if you can relate in any way. Some of you, you probably are just so balanced. Just normal people. You can't really be just like, okay, wackadoo. We're going to try to get her to just, you know, see what she's got to say. Because now we know she's a little bit cuckoo. If you didn't know that, I'm just tell you up front. That's what it is. 
But you know, we have a sure foundation, and I'm so yeah. thankful for that, because if I didn't have that rock to stand on, I could go in any kind of crazy direction. Some people, all it takes is one tragedy in their life, and all of a sudden, I've heard of, of dealing with counseling with various women through the years, I mean, women that are won't leave their house after a certain situation, they just become completely just unable to function because of traumas that now, as Greg so put it so well last week, you know, these, these situations and circumstances then begin to train your flesh to respond to life through the lens of fear. And it's so dangerous. And, uh, and boy, God, he, he just, he loves us. And it is his love that covers us and removes the fear from our lives. But this place of being set is often a place of testing. And so we've got to know. And it's very easy to get impatient, to get restless, or even to take matters into your own hands. You know, we want the quick fix. We want the shortcut, the on-the-spot situation. We want a sermon, a seminar, or an experience that will instantly resolve all of our problems. To remove any kind of temptation to release us from all growing pains. But you know, real maturity is the result Never of just a single experience, but it's really a, a growth that is gradual over time. In 2 Corinthians 3.18b, in the, in the message uh, translation, 2 Corinthians 3.18, the, the latter part of that verse, it says, Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. It is so fantastic. In Psalm 31 verse 8 in the New Living is another one that it was just such a blessing as it pertains to this. Um, the psalmist is saying to, to God, you have not handed me over to my enemy, but have set me in a safe place. So God's plan is for us to walk in his peace, not based on our circumstances. You can have the most amazing peace in the most tumultuous, difficult circumstances when you are setting your affection on the things above when you are walking and seeking the kingdom spirit realm. So um, there's an example that was given, you know, in terms of God wanting strength over speed uh, that I read about in um, The Purpose Driven Life that I thought was really interesting. You know, when we worry about how fast we grow, God is actually concerned about how strong we grow. And uh, Lane Adams, an author, once compared the process of spiritual growth to the strategy that the Allies used in World War II to liberate islands in the South Pacific. First, they would go in and soften up the island. They would, by weakening the resistance, by shelling the enemy's strongholds with bombs from offshore ships. And then next, a small group of Marines would then invade the island and establish what's called a beachhead, a tiny fragment of the island that they could control. Well, once the beachhead was secured, they would begin the long process of liberating the rest of the island, one territory at a time. And eventually, the entire island would be brought under, the, under their control, but not without some costly battles. So Adams, Lance Adams, drew this parallel. Before Christ invades our lives um, at conversion, he sometimes has to soften us up by allowing problems we can't handle. <coughs> you know how sometimes that happens? A person finally becomes humble enough and, and ready enough to receive. I pray that over the lost people in my life. I always pray, Holy Spirit, bring them to a place where they are just, they're, they're at their end and they can see you only. And so... Some people open up their lives to Christ a little bit more at the first time that he knocks. But um, And I know we, we read this this morning in the ladies' class at Revelation 3.20. Um, but sometimes our pre-conversion experiences uh, of the, the verse, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, sometimes it's more like, I, Behold, I stand at the door and bomb. You know, because it's like, sometimes he has to really shake us to see our need of him. But you know, the more and the, the moment that you open yourself up to Christ, he gets a beachhead in your life. And you may think you have surrendered all to him when you first give your life to Christ. But see, you can only surrender what you know to surrender. And so this concept of, of God beginning to take place and working his way through our life is his gentle, gradual process of revealing more and more and more what we need to give over to him. And 
I have been amazed at times when I, I was as surrendered as I could possibly be. But as he took me to a new level of intimacy with him, he revealed more things that were still junk, if you will, that he needed to remove out of my life. And now, of course, we know that the enemy works also to try, you know, the enemy is a counterfeit. So that same example could be applied to how the enemy tries. He tries to get a little beachhead in our life. And if we don't recognize that and knock it out with the authority that we have in Christ, he can begin to gradually take over. With the slippery slope of how, um, un, how people that are godly begin to do ungodly things, how do they find themselves there? It's because we dull ourselves to the Holy Spirit's working and can find ourselves in trouble. Um, but you know, the other reason why this place of set can take a long time is because we need to unlearn a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, we have paradigms. Boy, when you, when you talk about fear that Greg talked about last week, you know, when you have a lens of, of fear that you, you don't even recognize that, that you are approaching your, your life's, the, even sometimes the mantra of our life is from a lens of fear. You know, there's a lot of people that are fear-driven to c- tremendous levels of success because their fear of failure is so great. It propels them. That's not a good reason to want to be successful. But on the outside, people think, oh, he's just doing great and everything's great. But, but he knows, and, and I'll never forget this gentleman that we met many years ago, um, back when we were first married, we lived in a townhouse, and we were in a business together, and one of the guys that was higher up in this business, we spoke with him, and once we got to kind of talk about spiritual things, we really began to find out that this guy, it, it, you almost could see he was, he was just, there was like a bankrupt, he was just bankrupt. Even with all of the money and success he had in this particular business, it just would reveal his soul was bankrupt. And I'll never forget, he said something so telling. He said, I don't like my life to slow down long enough to be alone with my thoughts. He said, the worst time of my day is right before I fall off to sleep when I'm alone with my thoughts. Because he, he was a go, you know, wheel and dealing kind of guy and just you know, moving fast and, you know, shaking and moving and doing deals and just success. The fear that drove him to never want to be alone with his thoughts. What a terrible place to live. That ought to be the, the best time, you know, as Greg just said during our time of communion, just to spend a few time, a minutes alone with God. What a precious time to just know when you're in his presence, you have such a sure foundation, a tried and sure stone that we can stand our life on. It, it is so amazing. And I'll tell you what, this place of set, as you get ready, set, go, this place of set can be a place of misery if you don't have a sure foundation. So as we look at what really the, was the theme verse for this whole concept of set, um, really comes from 1 Corinthians 15:58. So this is the one I want you to turn to. Um, this is a very precious verse to me because this was my father's life verse, and uh, I really love it and, of course, memorized it in the King James Version. 1 Corinthians 15:58. Whatever translation you want to put up is fine. I'll be saying it in the in the King James. But it's um, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So as I was thinking about this place of set, I thought, wow. Okay, three things. Paul was telling. The people at that time, we need to be steadfast, we need to be unmovable, and we need to be always abounding to stay set in the course that God has us on. You know, when you know that God has us on a course, now this can be applied corporately and individually. Corporately, we are staying set. We know. We need to stay steadfast. Uh, One of the, um, the songs that just blesses me in my worship time is from the album from Bethel, um, that is called, um, oh goodness, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it. One of the phrases in the, in the song is, my heart will stay steadfast. And I love that because it just keeps saying it over and over. And I thought that is what, you know, God just, he, he wants us to just give our hearts over to him to stay steadfast. And there were a few things that, that came to me as I, as I think of either word pictures or metaphors. Um, and so some of them may resonate with you, some of them won't. But I know that, you know, when we think about our New Year's resolutions and we think about, okay, this is the course. This, I want to have, this is going to be my ready, set, go for this year. Oftentimes we will believe that whatever we're going to do, whether it be something of, of the Daniel plan, whether it be a prayer or even a health, a new health regimen we want to get on. And maybe it's a diet and we, we say, okay, we're going we're to research it all. We're going to get all the 
foods ready. We're going to get all the, you know, the, maybe the workout plan and get everything, the strategy set up and get ready. And then we're going to get on this path. Okay, so then we're on this path. Well, what happens after a while? Like any other time we're determined, stuff happens and all of a sudden we're just not on the course anymore. And oftentimes because we lose that steadfast place, it's because of the fact that we begin to look circumstantially, we begin to look at results, we begin to measure things in the human realm. Can you imagine? And you guys know the story of Peter when he was walking on the water. He began, if when he kept his eyes directly on Jesus, his course was set to when he got out onto the water to just go toward Jesus. As soon as he became aware, oh, this is this is crazy. I, all of a sudden, he began to reason. And it happened all very quickly. But he was reasoning that this isn't, this isn't normal. I, I mean, this is what you, when, when you walk in the water, you, you fall. There's a storm. There's just, all of a sudden, the, his, his human reality overtook him. And he began to sink. And, and this is really the epitome of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because what you believe will take place for you. Okay? You'll either just begin to behave in a way to make it happen. Or, you know, you'll, you'll begin to just look in the human realm and, and not see that with God, all things are possible. God does the impossible. God makes things happen that make no sense whatsoever. Um, so, in Steadfast, there's a couple of references I want to give you in, in this kind of a three-point, the theme, of course, from 1 Corinthians um, 15:58. But three references I want to give you for Steadfast, staying Steadfast. First is Hebrews 3, verse 14. And it says, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold to the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Now that's King James. There's one, I'm going to read this in the New Living too because I loved it in the New Living. It says, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. So think about when you first accepted Christ, you had enough faith to know that if I ask Jesus into my heart, I am saved. Okay, when you accepted the Lord, you believe that. What happens is we begin to lose that. Okay, so let's just go back to this New Year's resolution analogy. You believed enough in this new regimen that you want to put together that, you, you know, you maybe financially sacrificed, got the food, maybe even bought a workout equipment, maybe even spent some extra on doctor's appointments to get yourself all ready to go. Do you believe it three months in as much as you believed it to make the sacrifice and make the decision at the beginning? See, this is what happens to our faith. All of a sudden, we begin to reason. I'm just not seeing results. I'm just not, I don't know. It's not what I thought it was going to be. It doesn't feel the same. I mean, is it really the right thing? And we begin to doubt and, oh, I didn't think it would, you know, it would hurt so much. And, and I think I've told you this before, but I had to laugh um, when we were starting the fast. Uh, Yvonne came into the room and, and into the kitchen and she says, you know, I think that God is telling me to that I should go on this fast. And she paused and she said, but then I got hungry. <laughs> and I thought, oh, isn't that just true? We, we don't stay set because as soon as we face any kind of adversity, we begin to doubt or reason or think that, yeah, I, I was going to do this for the Lord, but, but then, you know, life happened and, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, 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 I'll tell you, the best time, you know, we, anybody can start a diet when your stomach's really full, especially when your stomach is sick. Oh man, now you're ready to diet for like the whole year 2015. I am so ready. Do you know how quick your stomach empties out? Hello. Very quick. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, you know what? Pass that over here. Another round. It's just funny how that happens. And you know, a lot of the physical is, is an example and kind of a, an analogy and metaphor for the, the spiritual. But when we stay faithful, uh, trusting God, we get to share in all that belongs to Christ. That is so awesome. The other verse for steadfast um, is Hebrews. Again, it's another Hebrews. Just a few pages over to 619. Oh, I am old school to say pages. I realize some of you are on your electronic <laughs> devices. But some of you have pages. <laughs> so you can turn over a few. In, in verse 19 of chapter 6, it says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Man, we need, we need Christ to be our anchor. And if there's anything that has kept Greg and I moving forward in this time of being set, is that we know that we know that we know that God has told us to do this. Yeah. And if you do not think there are days 
many, many, many days in our flesh when we wake up and say, what have we done? Then you must not think we're human because of course that happens. Of course that happens. And God is so gracious to allow some of our most down days to not occur at the exact same time, praise the Lord, so that we can begin to encourage one another. But of course that happens. And, um, and what I'll be sharing later, um, not today, is, is just as it pertains to you know, not, not giving up sometimes when the hardest resistance comes. Um, because, boy, you get tempted. But see, this is the time, this is the time when the Lord gets to see and, and others, too, is this calling of God or is this calling the result of whatever, you know, some wonderful new epiphany that was in conjunction with a really good cup of coffee? You know, how you sometimes just feel like, wow, the world is all just at a good place. You know, and you, that's, what, that's when people like to set their New Year's resolutions. It's either in their low lows, they're ready to turn over a new leaf, something's got to be better than this, or it's in their high highs. I just want to conquer the world this year. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for, do you want to obey me? Are you going to trust me? Amen. And it is in these times of the set that we find out both who we are and who God is yeah. and how much we're trusting. Is he our rock? Is he our anger? Is he our sure foundation? Um, boy, I have found that out to be the case. And, and God has become more powerful in my life as this set time has has gone longer than I ever imagined that it would, would be. It is just been amazing um, how much he has revealed to me about his, his awesome power. Um, and you know what? He's the one that knows how much that needs to be revealed. Right now you would sit here and go, but I love Jesus so much. I just, I love him. I'm following him. Only God knows how much we are ready. Yeah. Only God knows what we are equipped for. And if you, those of you that have children, I remember both, of course, from Yvonne, I have a young one, but I I've had two only children because of the gap between them. And I'll remember times when Brooke would just, yes, I can handle this. Yes, I'm ready. I'm just ready, Mommy. I, I want this. I can do this. And you're just thinking, oh, if you could just know what you don't know. You know, like you're looking at her as a child thinking, if, if you could just know that it was everything in you. You, you, you just believe that you're ready for this, that you can handle this, that everything's good. And you, you know, the, the young kids, they just, they just, think they're so mature. And, and don't we? We just think we're so mature. Lord, I can handle this. Bring it on. And God is saying, yes, that's where I want your heart. But no, you're actually not ready yet. Because I am just going to flood you with things and you've got to be stronger. Um, I remember even a couple of weeks ago, um, or was it even? No, it was actually yesterday. Um, Greg was saying this that I thought was interesting. He was using a metaphor of, uh, you know, when you feel like you're ready in the military, and you're going to be one of the one of the guys. I don't even know the language, so I'm just going to fuddle through this here. But he, when you're holding one of the weapons that you think you're ready to handle, if you don't have training, if you haven't been ready to handle that, you're not going to know how to use it. And that's one of the things he mentioned. But I even went further. Just the sheer stamina, just the sheer upper body strength to be ready to handle it. Forget the how the operational things go and and the ability to hit the target. But why do they have boot camp in military? To do all those seemingly senseless push-ups, running, sit-ups, da 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 and they put your body just through this grueling. It's because they know that all of the things that you will need to do in battle, your body is going to need to have the stamina, the resistance, the strength. You just plain old need the upper body to hold the rifle. Forget even the, how to use it, you know, and, and tactically understand how to operate it. See, God knows that. He knows that, that and, and I always think, too, of that, the example of the Karate Kid when he's painted the first one. Everybody's, every old movie that's classic has been remade, so I'm thinking old, old school. The original, Ralph Macchio, I think his name is the first Karate Kid. Yep. When he was painting the fence, and he didn't understand why Mr. Miyagi was having him paint the fence. See, Mr. Miyagi knew that that wrist needed to be strong with certain things he was going to teach him in this, the, in the fighting, you know, and in the, in the back and forth uh, combat, if you will, that he was going to be in, you know, in, in his in his fighting, and and it was so. I, on the very first time I saw that, I, I immediately thought how God works. Even when I was, you know, I, I just it wasn't even like I was trying to have a spiritual lens. I thought, boy, that's just like God. He has us doing things in our life that are so unrelated. We think, like, Lord, why am I wasting my time over here? I just want to go here. I just just let me just jump in. I'm ready. I just want to serve. I just want to do this. 
He has seasons in our life where we need to be set so that he can see what we're made of. And we need to be, it's a time of faithfulness, really. It's a time of faithfulness. You may not even recognize um, what you're not ready for. And and many of us have lived perhaps long enough to go back and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you gave me that that time of, of just being set for you because I did not know what I would need to be ready for. Now, the third reference I want to give you in that is 1 Peter 5, 9, uh, which also has in the King James the word steadfast, but this refers to the enemy. Now, you know 1 Peter 5, 8 is, of course, about the enemy, that he's definitely um, wants to destroy our lives. And so starting in verse 9, it says, Whom resist, referring to the enemy, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, that last part of that, the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, this means stay firmly strong against the enemy. Stay steadfast in resisting the devil. Okay, And know that the same thing is happening with other Christians around the world. That they are having to resist it. We are not in this alone. And as a church body, we've got to resist. Don't let your defenses down. Don't open what I know we've spoken about with the ladies uh, regarding to hearing the voice of God. Don't open portals in your life that you want to decide are unrelated to your Christian walk. Oh, it's okay if I just dabble in this. Or, you know, this is cute. Or, well, this, you know, even things sometimes like a band that you that you might... You know, start to soak in some of the lyrics of a particular band that, that you know, research, man, research when, when lyrics of songs and, and music that, that you stream into your head is coming from a place that was birthed out of the influence directly of the enemy, directly of Satan. That is, a, you know, music is a very powerful thing, and you don't want to be soaking in something that was birthed out of something satanic. The king. Yes. And, and, and boy, when I was a kid, I used to hate it when people would say that my music was satanic. But, but I've come to learn that there really are attachments to things. If you want to build a fortress of protection and stay set on the course and make your life much simpler and much more victorious, pay attention to some of the things you don't think are related to some of the times when you are overcome. We want to be an overcomer. We don't want to be overcome. And what happens in the Christian life is we go forward and we're like, why do I keep getting overcome? Why do I keep getting knocked over? And and Lord wants us to wake up and hear that, wait a second, there are some ways that you're not set with me. You're trying, you're, you're getting off course and you're allowing some of these things in your life and they're going to drag you off of the course that is set before you. So be careful of that. 1 Peter 5, 9, so important. Then there's unmovable in that verse. Steadfast, unmovable. In James 1, 6, I love, um, this is another one that, um, I'm going to actually look this one up. In James 1, verse 6, it says, talking about faith, of course, in verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. But in verse 6, it says, but let him ask in faith, Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of a sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And then verse 7, what a punch. Just right at you. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. See, this time of being set is to, to see, to get you to a place where you are not tossed around. Where you are, you are staying in an unmovable, sure place. Because that is where you reap, okay? You'll reap so many benefits. Um, I love the um, Galatians 6, 9, which is, we're going to actually get to that in a minute, but it talks about, um, you know, just to, you, you're going to reap what you sow, and don't be weary in that well-doing, for in due season, it is going to come. You will reap if you faint not. Okay, so this time, this time of set, <coughs> don't faint. Don't faint. Yes. Now, if you look in, um, and you can turn there if you want to, but, but at the very least, make mention of it, because it's a, it's a fantastic part of the, the journey when the children of Israel came out of, of Egypt. Um, in Exodus 17, they had come out, and um, 
you know, they just had been through so much. I mean, they were beaten down after being oppressed by you know, Egypt. And, you know, and I think of this as such a picture of somebody that's just gotten saved and their life is a disaster. It's just a mess. Things are falling apart. The Lord saves their soul, brings them out of, out of their Egypt. And, and um, they're just they're starting out. And they were really struggling. And if, in, um, in this story here, it's starting in verse 8, talks about the attack of the Amalekites. But just before that, the Israelites were really struggling because they were basically testing the Lord going, man, are you even with us? Are you even here? Like, this is supposed to be so great. We're following Moses out. We're trying to you know, go into this promised land with milk and honey, milk and honey, milk and honey. It's all we hear. How good is this really going to be? Because this part, this part rocks. Like, I, I mean, the, the wilderness, like, this is not what I signed up for. And you see this battle throughout where they are struggling. Well, <laughs> right after that, they're all of a sudden now, they're now in a place where they're being attacked again. Have you ever had that happen in life where you just, you know, you're like, okay, the Lord is with me. He's, he's, he's just given me a, 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 an assurance of his love for me. And, and he just, he's given me a hug spiritually, so to speak. And then now I turn and I got the enemy hitting me again. Mm-hmm. And this time when the Amalekites, now the Amalekites were a nomadic tribe that were just, I mean, they killed for pleasure. One of the greatest insults you could, you could say to an Israelite is that they were a friend of Amalek. It's just a, a nasty group of people. And, and the Lord, you know, allowed, I mean, they, they were coming to, to get the Israelites. And so Moses, you know, he just, by the way, this is where you, the first mention of Joshua comes into play. You know, we, we later find out how powerful he's going to be on the scene. But this is where we first begin to see him. And so he, this is that famous story where Moses directed Joshua to take the people out. And, and Moses took his staff. And when his hands, and he, he held it out over the, the battle, and um, when his hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And then he had two people, Aaron and Hur, held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady. But Moses knew that, according to the Lord's command, that he held out this, this authority, this symbol of authority, over the battle. And, and as long as he held it up, the Israelites were winning. When it lowered the enemy got the advantage. And you know, that's another example of that place of set. No matter if you get tired or not, man, you hold that authority out over the enemy. You hold it up. And when it starts to falter because you're only human, you ask for intercessory prayer. You ask for people to come alongside you and hold that up. Because sometimes it's going to take everything in you to stay in that place of set. This is a make or break. You don't want to go back and start again with the beginning of ready. Okay, the go is around the corner, and it's, it's time to put everything you have and stay the course. Amen. What are you willing to do? There are costly battles along the way, but God it will never leave us or forsake us, yes. and he expects us to stay set. And sometimes it takes, you need help. You know, don't be an island. Don't let yourself withdraw from others. Moses could have just said, well, Lord, I mean, you know, I'm struggling here. I'm so old. I mean, you didn't even call me until I'm 80. You know, like, <laughs> what's the deal? Is, you know, no, he, he needed help. People saw that he needed help. He, was, he allowed himself to be vulnerable so that people could hold him up and then won the battle. Amen. This is important. It's important. That was, a, that was a humble moment, I believe, of Moses to allow the people, uh, the, those people to help him and help yeah. his co-leaders help him. So again, moving on, because we're almost done, and I want to close here. But the last part is always abounding. Now, this has to do with spiritual disciplines, man, habits, habits. Um, Another thing that I read that was really interesting, you know, habits take time to develop. Remember that your character is the sum total of your habits. You can't claim to be kind unless you are habitually kind, okay? I mean, everybody's randomly kind. That's such a kind, that's such a randomly kind person. Okay, well, okay, are they kind or not? <laughs> you know, if, if your husband is only faithful to you most of the time, he's unfaithful. <laughs> How many times does he have to be unfaithful to be unfaithful? I mean, you know, like, he's either faithful or he's not faithful. Because his character is the sum total of his habits. And so this is something that's really important, that there's only way, one way to develop the, the um, Christ-like character, and that is to practice them. So in 1 Timothy 4.15 is a great verse for that. It says, practice these things, devote your life to them so that everyone can see your progress. 
You want to develop these habits that, that are going to be a testimony of your life. This has to do with faithfulness. Are you somebody spiritually that, that people can count on? Um, you know, it's interesting how easily offended that we get. And I grew up in a, in a, in a church where it was a little bit off balance in terms of church attendance. You'd be in the church every time the doors were open. You know, I mean, if you have the summit flu, we will bring you a bucket. You know, like it's just kind of that feeling of, can I can't miss if I'm even sick or something. You know, now that's off balance. We, we know that. But it's interesting in society today that to encourage faithfulness in your attendance, even as a leader, there's a lot of leaders that take on leadership and then they don't show up for a month, you know. Um, we don't, we get offended if that's talked about in, in a church setting, but yet, if your job expects you to, you know what, okay, I'm going to give you this job, but guess what, you need to be here, you get this, this week off, you can get X number of sick days, work with it, okay, because this is your job. We, we know that's expected, but yet with, with church, oftentimes, we kind of are just like, well, if I'm having a good weekend, and, you know, if I'm able to get to sleep the night before, and I'm able to get up, you know, then I'll come to church. You know, I have loved the discipline of having to serve because it sometimes does get me out of bed when I wouldn't otherwise be able to. Because let's face it, it's tough to get up. I mean, you know, just the, when you see those people that are faithfully, you know, coming and faithfully, he's not a morning person, not even a little bit. And, and neither am I, you know, like this is something that we just, you just stay the course. And there are times when it's like, Lord, I cannot do this in my, I cannot do this. So God, you're going to need to just do this. And there are also times where it's just not going to happen, and God's grace is, is wonderful, and it's great. And, and so, you know, we, can't, we can never let the enemy condemn us. You know, when you go through tough times, or when you go through, certainly if, you, you know, if there is a situation with your job, or you travel, or you, you know, you're ill, of course, that's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the times when you know before God. Nobody else should be your judge, but you need to know before God. Am I faithful? Am I somebody that the Lord can count on? That the Lord knows I am going to be obedient. I'm not going to make excuses to him. See, because we can't, you know, it, you don't want to be a, a servant of men. You know, God sees the heart. And so our heart needs to be steadfast. And then what comes from that will be that. But, you know, when we begin to have this in the world, it's one thing to have it in the church. Be faithful in your job. Greg said it a few, a few weeks ago, I know he was saying, you know, be the employee at your job that people just go, wow, I want more of that. If that's what a Christian is, then I want to call churches to get my next group of employees. I want to interview with people coming out of that group because, wow, they get more work, you know, done. There's, there's a sweet attitude. They're, they're more, you know, just workable. I mean, who, who is Jesus coming out of you to the people around you? This is important. Are you always abounding in the work of the Lord? You know, it's, it's almost like we give only that part of us to the do-goodism in the insulated circle of the church itself. You know, well, you're expected to do good when you come into the church, but what does it look like? Are you always abounding? Are you steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the world? And as a church body, too, we want to be, we want to be an ignition body Amen. that speaks to the world that they can count on. We are set because we know we have the hope of our calling corporately as a, as a body. Yeah. And that's something that we want to do. But habits do take time to develop. And um, so, so I was saying, uh, I just want to make sure you had that verse, um, second, excuse me, Galatians 6, 9. And then lastly, the last verse is 2 Corinthians um, 13, 4. And the reason I, I wanted to give you this one is because this one pertains to how we often always feel. You know, Paul is giving his final advice here in the Corinthians. And in the New Living, um, it says, I will give you, uh, well, actually, let me, let me do the, uh, the King James first. In verse 4, it says, For though he, Jesus, was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward us. So in the New Living, it says in verse 4, Although he died on the cross in weakness, he now lives by the mighty power of God, which he laid down. He chose that weakness. But he lives now by the mighty power of God. And Paul says, We too are weak, but we live in him and have God's power. So guess what? You know what this means in a nutshell? Two words. No excuses. That's the power of God. Amen. No excuses. And, and this is 
this is for me. I, I got to tell you, I'm not, you know, especially as it pertains to, Lord, you know, when are you going to release the building? We know we have the building. He is. He has us on a place of set, a set path of believing Him yeah. every day at the absurdity of His promises. Now we know the promises of God are yes and amen, but He has revealed to us also things circumstantially that are promises that He is going to provide. We we know that um, you know, first uh, the and my God Galatians. 19. And my God shall supply. Philippians, sorry, 4.19. And my God shall supply all your needs. Um, the Holy Spirit has revealed he will supply our needs, and he's revealed in some ways how he's going to do that. So when you are staying in a place of set, it is staying in a place of present, active, participle believing. Not a, I believe God, as if some past tense, yes, I got saved, and that was then, but this is now. Like, I was feeling really good, and I certainly don't want to burn in hell. But, you know, this is reality, and you've got to understand that there's just stuff that's happening. Isn't it weird? We separate that. No. There is, there is the believing unto salvation, and then there's that active, present, participle belief. There's that daily, I wake Amen. up, and today I believe you, God. Yes. Today I believe you. Today I will be faithful. Yes. I will show you that, that you have the power to rule in me, which means that nothing is impossible with me. Because think about it, we face the impossible on some level every single day. If you've ever driven on 95, that is an impossible... I mean, how do cars even make it from one end to the other? There are just truly tested, I think I would even dare say there are some psychopaths on that road. And yet, we do. It's a miracle of God's provision. We have so many things that we can be thankful for. God's power works in us. If he has a purpose for you, he will, Philippians 1.6... He will, if he starts a work in you, he will be faithful to complete it, okay, yes. unto the day of Jesus Christ. He, he is, if he starts it, he'll finish it. But we've got to believe it because our lack of staying set with our excuses that, well, but, well, maybe, we, we give up. And we've got to never, ever, ever give up. Now, that's the, that's the addition to this in terms of never give up because um, how do you uh, face certain particular things and then not give up? You know, we, we live in a society today where it's almost like the mantra of, of Americans is give up at some point. I mean, think about it. We're just really, we're great starters. We're terrible finishers. Yeah. And, and that's something that ought not to be said of Christians. That's so, right. you know, so what's the best way to show Jesus the world? Stay the course. Stay the course. Paul says, finish well. You know, this go is right around the corner. We're about to go. And, and this even individually. Some of you have individual callings that you're going to be doing in your life. You're called to various things. Are you set? Are you believing God? Are you, are you yeah. in that readying place? Now you're set. You're still being readied. Because every day that you stay set, by the way, readies you. Yes. But that go. He wants to release his blessings. He wants to release things into our hands. But he needs to know that we are steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Oh, I just thank you for your power, God. You just, uh, you just overwhelm me when I think of what you are doing in my life that I just, you know I just can't do. I just, um, and I'm overwhelmed as, as I think of what you did on the cross, that I'm even deserving of it. But God, I will, I will claim just by faith, um, just a, a grateful heart and a and a thankful heart, God, that that you chose me, and and I just praise you for that, God. I thank you for each person you chose here in this room, God. Let us just be overwhelmed with just your your love this morning, God. That we will stay the course, that we will be uh, not be shaken, not be moved, because we have such a sure foundation. No matter what the enemy tries to tell us is hopeless, helpless, um, any lies that he tries to send our way, God, we know that you're true, that you are true. You are um, the, the course we need to stay on, God. You are the author and finisher of our faith. And so I praise you and I thank you. God, help us to call out the liar to the enemy, for just the liar that he is, God. That, that, he, that he not be given any place in our lives to distract or discourage. Because, oh God, I know you want to bless so much. 
you are blessing Ignition Church, but as I look at the faces today, you want to bless every single one who's coming here, coming to a church in a house. God, they are seeking you. And I just pray that you'd pour out your, your blessing to each individual, as I know you're going to do to us together as a body uh, and a church. And, and so I just thank you and, and praise you today for what you will do. And I thank you for Greg's leadership, God, for his heart. And for just the leader and the authentic, real leader he is in our home. I thank you for letting me see you, Jesus, in his life. And how that speaks just volumes to me. I thank you for being able to serve alongside of him. And I pray, God, that you would just just hold him tightly as he is in Nigeria, leaving this week. And that we will miss him so much, God. But you have a... You have a course that you've set us on that is difficult for some to understand. God, help us to stay the course yes. and um, to trust you as you are putting these pieces that seem to be separated and random. God, you are putting together a beautiful, almost like a weaved quilt of your yes. perfect calling yes. together. And you're doing it so beautifully. Help us to trust you even when things don't make sense, yes. both with our church and individually, God as I know some are going through various trials. Lord, I again lift up Carson, and I lift up Colin. God, their lives are in your hands. And I would boldly ask, as to echo Shannon's beautiful prayer, that you just remove the infirmity from their bodies. God, I would boldly ask that you bring Colin back before the Super Bowl. God, that he would just be able to just be blessed and enjoy his day and his team, God. He's been such a faithful servant. He loves you with every fiber of his being. And I just ask for that blessing and deliverance in his body today. I pray, God, that anyone that does not know you as Savior, save their soul. But, God, anyone that is dulled their senses to letting you just rule and reign and, and set the course for their life, God, that they would just surrender to you this morning and just give you all that they are, all that they have. And I just ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ.